what a great day today is. I'm glad to be worshiping with you, and uh, it's my honor to speak to those of you in the room, those of you worshiping with us in the Unity Hall. I know we have people at Smith Farms gathered with us, people at Betts, people at Astral at Auburn. Uh, we love all of you, and of course, there's people all over the world worshiping with us online as well. We're happy you're joining with us. Uh, if you want to follow along with the notes today, it's uh, on my new, no, it's on newhope.in. Go to the events page, and all the notes, all the scriptures that I'm going to share are right there. You can follow along with us that way. Today is the day that we celebrate Jesus coming back to life. When he came back to life, it conquered the curse that sin had over our life. And uh, in order for him to come back to life, to conquer curse, he had to die first, and he did. That's what Good Friday was all about. Make no mistake about it. It was Good Friday, but it was only good for us. It was a very, very, very bad day for him. In fact, when Jesus died, it was the most pain anyone could ever experience, all compiled into one right there on that day. There was emotional pain. Jesus was was betrayed. He was falsely accused. He went through an unjust, unfair trial. He was rejected. He was mocked. There was physical pain. He he, He was beaten. He was whipped. He suffered, and he hung on a cross, and crucifixion was so painful that they made up a word for how bad it felt, excruciating. That's where the word excruciating comes from. It it was the most physical pain anyone could suffer. And he had a spiritual pain as well. On top of of all the other pain, he had had our sins to deal with. And the the pain of our sins for for all in the future and all in the past was rested upon his shoulders. Talk about a bad day. You may have a bad day, you know, you might be sitting next to your bad day, or, <laughs> or you work for your bad day, or third period is your bad day. You may have a bad day, but it wasn't this bad, huh? It wasn't this bad. And Jesus got through his bad day, and you can get through your bad day as well. I want to read a passage in Hebrews chapter 12 from the message translation. And the message, it, well, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase, isn't it? doesn't try to be a, a translation, but I like it because sometimes it helps me understand what the Bible's really saying. So here's a Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Paul says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing right now. How to live through a bad day. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. The next verse in the message translation also says, it's not on the screen, but I'm just going to give it to you. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, when you find yourselves having a bad day, go over that story again and again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. you got to love the message translation. We're going to shoot some adrenaline into our, our souls today by going over piece by piece what Jesus did. When he was hanging on the cross, his bad day, he said seven things that show us how we can deal with our bad day as well. Uh, if you've missed some of these, you can always catch up on our website, newhope.in. All of them are there. Um, but I want to catch you up real quick. The first week we talked about... Uh, you know, Jesus' words on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. So the first lesson we learn is, is we need to forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life when you're having a bad day. Then he spoke to the thief on the cross next to him. 
And that tells us that we should help others who are experiencing the same struggle we are. Sometimes the pain that we're going through has a purpose, and we can help people that are going through the same thing. Then, uh, then he spoke to John, and he made sure that, that Mary, his mother Mary, had someone to, t- to look after, his mom. And he said, you know, John, take care of my mom, would you? And that tells us that even in our bad day, we should take care of the people that are closest to us. That's a big deal, because a lot of times in a bad day, the people that are closest to you, they get the brunt of it. We shouldn't do that. Then the sky got dark, and Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We, can learn, we learn that we can point our hard questions to God, and we can look to him and not run away on a hard day. And then Jesus said, it is finished. A lot of people think that's the last thing Jesus said, and it wasn't. He said, it is finished, and he didn't mean time's up. He meant accomplished, fulfilled. The sis paid for. We did it. Mission accomplished. The plan worked. And Jesus was able to say that because he was God and he knew the purpose behind the pain. We don't always know the purpose behind our pain, but we can be assured, we have an assurance that God loves us and has a plan for us. And last week, we saw uh, Jesus, while suffering, said, I am thirsty. And we learned we need to be human enough to acknowledge our need. We need Jesus, and we need our church. We need this family. Today, we're going to look at the very last thing that Jesus said uh, on the cross, and it's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 44. The word says, It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. That's a big deal. That's a big deal that the curtain was torn. See, the curtain, in, in, um, uh, up till this point, there was the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant, and then all the people outside it. They couldn't be in the presence of God, and it was separated by this huge curtain. And only one time a year would the priest go in to the presence of God. He went in with some fear, because if he had sin in his life, he'd be struck dead. Because God can't be near sin. God can't be near sin. And when Jesus died on the cross, he became sin for all of us. And that separation, out it went. That was the sound of a curtain ripping, if you didn't know. That's what it sounds like. Did I hear someone say, do you need a tissue? That's also what that sounds like. (laughs) Jesus called out with a loud voice. The scripture continues. After the the curtain was torn, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. That Greek word commit usually is translated, you put it, like, like I commit this here. That's what that Greek word usually means. It's very rarely translated commit. It's usually translated placed. So perhaps a, even a better translation of what Jesus actually meant when he said that was, I put my life in your hands. I put my life in your hands. When he said it is finished, he was saying, I'm triumphant. Yet he suffered a little more and still modeled for us surrender. I placed my life in your hands. He placed all he was in the hands of the Father. Here's the final lesson that Jesus taught us on the cross. Lesson number seven, finally, surrender your day to God and let it go. Finally, surrender your day to God and let it go. So simple, yet oh, so difficult. These are hard words, and I know that. Jesus surrendered his 
day and let it go. Not because it was his only remaining option. Let's get that straight. The other two thieves that were on the cross suffering alongside him, they had no other option. They were being killed and they couldn't do anything about it. Jesus was being killed and could have done something about it. That was different, right? Like, like he was Jesus. He was God. He could have called down angels. Like, I don't know. Like, I have imagination. He could have hopped off with laser beams out of his eyes. All you guys. He could have done it. But he thought about us. Thought about our sin. And decided it was worth staying. I'm going to put all that I am in the hands of the Father. He surrendered and he let it go. Because he knew there was a purpose, and he wanted to teach us how to deal with our hard days. Jesus, when he said this, he was probably quoting a verse from David's Psalms. When, when David, David says this, we can learn from here, uh, Psalm chapter 31, David said, keep me free from the trap. Everybody say, the trap. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. So there's a, a relationship between the, the trap and, and the refuge. You're my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. See, so, so he's saying, you know, when we're in the presence of God, when, when the Lord is our tower, our protective tower, we're safe. When we're outside of that tower, we're not safe. There's a trap set for us. There's a trap set for us. And the trap is anywhere outside of trusting God. So I put my life in your hands. In other words, it's a trap to not trust God. Not trusting God is the trap, or another way I could say that. Not, it's a trap to worry. It's a trap to worry. So can you finally surrender your day to God and let it go? It's a trap to worry. We all like to worry, don't we? We worry about a lot of things. We worry about money. We worry about our friends. We worry about our relationships. See, that one goes both ways. Friends and relationships, that goes both ways. Because if you don't have a relationship, you're worried about it. But let me tell you, once you have one, you get a different set of worries. Yeah. It's just, it, just like, like your problem's not your problem. The problem is you've got to trust God with all of it. We worry about our job and career. We worry about our kids. We worry about our retirement. I mean, just, just recently I realized I have to worry about what my children tell other people about me. You know, I don't, I don't live in such a way that I'm embarrassed about anything that, that I would do. And I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, double-sided. But, you know, we just recently had spring break, and my family went down south, uh, Indianapolis. Okay. Tried out the Children's Museum. That was a lot of fun. And when all the kids went back to school, all the kindergartners went into the kindergarten class and told their teacher about all the all the spring break fun they had. And it was, oh, we went to the beach and all this. And my daughter walked in. What'd she say? She talked about how we got to go swimming together. No. She talked about the Indianapolis Children's Museum and all the fun that was there. No. She walks in and she hears all the kids talking about spring break and she walks in and tells her teacher, my daddy drove too fast and got pulled over by the police. (laughs) Happened. So now I got that I got to worry about. We need to surrender our bad day and let it go. We can place our life in the hands of Jesus by not worrying. You're only worrying if you're not placing your life in the hands of Jesus. So here's what we're doing today. We're going we're gonna to study a portion of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus spoke about worrying, how to surrender and just let it go. 
We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 24. Here Jesus is uh, finishing up a thought. He's talking about money, and, and he's finishing up this thought explaining how money should not be like the main focus of our lives, and money should not like, be the only thing we're concerned about. And he says, no one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and, hate, and, and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. Example here. But it could represent our ability to take care of it. You know, if I have plenty of money, I can pay for whatever I need. I'm not concerned. I can just pay for whatever I need. And I think what Jesus is saying is, you know, you can control your life, or I can control your life. But if you want me to control your life, you can't still be in control of your life. You can't be devoted to giving me control and still retaining control. It's not about whether or not you have money. It's about the being enslaved to it. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, he says. Whether you have enough food and drink or clothes, enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than earthly things? Isn't life more than stuff? You're so focused on these things, he's saying. But the things you're focused on are trivial compared to eternal things. Life is more than, than this stuff. He continues, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Even if that were true, if you're worrying could extend your lifespan. It doesn't. The opposite happens. You shorten your lifespan. But even if you could expand your lifespan by worrying, what kind of life would that be? You'd be sucking the life out of your life. It'd be a kind of a life. And he uses an example. Look at the birds. God takes care of them. God, it's not just birds. God takes care of everything. He takes care of the birds, the elephants, the aardvarks, even feral cats. I don't know why. Cat people hate me. I'm sorry. But he does. He takes care of the feral cats. So how much more would he take care of you? They don't even plant seeds. He's going to take care of us. He continues. Why are you worried about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not as dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly take care of you. See, all these things, all the animals, all the flowers, they're in God's hands. And when the animals and the flowers are in God's hands, they do pretty good. They do really good. They're awesome. When they're in God's hands. In fact, everything that's in God's hands does pretty good. But we tend to take the things that should belong in God's hands and try to take them back into our hands. And we make a mess of things. So Jesus is saying, like, can't you just trust the things that are in my hands? Why do you got to go pull them and take them back into your hands? Or more specifically, what he really said was, why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith. We have this tendency to grab the things that belong in God's hands and put them into ours, don't we? Am I the only person? We want to hold on to them because then we can touch them. Then, we, then, then we're in charge. 
So we think. Joke's on us. Many of our problems are our own making. Really. The Apostle Paul told the church in Philippi, he said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Do you notice the relationship between worrying and prayer? I find this interesting. Don't worry, we, we can pray about everything. This verse is saying that prayer isn't just talking to God. A lot of us are talking. But I wonder if we're actually praying. According to this passage, you're not really praying unless you're letting it go. When you pray, you say, okay, God, I'm taking these things to you. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to surrender my day to you and let it go. That's, that's praying. That's praying. In fact, let's just get this in our heart. Can we say the bold words together? Don't worry, instead pray. Do it again. Don't worry, instead pray. So we let it go. And if you let it go, and only if you let it go, he continues, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's why you need to finally surrender your day to God and let it go. Let it go. You'll experience God's peace that way. That's the key. As long as you hang on to your worries, you're going to be limited in your peace. So let it go and you'll get God's peace. Amen. This is a really hard thing to do. It's really hard to do it this way. We don't do it nearly often enough because it's so hard. And Jesus knew that it was hard. That's why he taught us how to do it. And I'd like to share with you today three ways that you can do it. This is how to, uh, how to let it go. How to surrender your life to God and let it go. Jesus teaches us this in Matthew chapter 6. Here's number one. Get to know God. Get to know God. And if you already know him, you can add the word better. Get to know God better. This is key to being able to let it go. You got to know who he is. Matthew chapter 6 says, so, so don't worry, saying, what should we eat? What do we drink? What do we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. He knows what you need. He knows it. He knows it already. You just don't know him well enough to realize that he knows what you need. If you're worrying, you just need to know God well enough that you know that he knows... Okay, I I I just have to read it. If you're worrying, you need to know God well enough that you know that he knows what you know you know. I'm comfortable walking on this platform right now because I know, I've seen it, under this carpet there's, there's wood. And under that wood... There's more wood. I know it, and so I'm comfortable walking on it. When you know the way God works, you'll have some comfort. You'll have some peace when you know how he works. In fact, the message translation says this verse like this. People who don't know God worry. People who don't know God worry. Jesus continues here in Matthew chapter 6. He continues teaching us how to put our lives in his hands and let it go. And he just got done saying, you're worried about all this stuff. And he continues, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all those other things will be added to you as well. Matthew 6, 33. Here's number two. Put God first in every area of your life. Put him first. He's in charge. Instead of worrying about your own agenda, we worry. Instead of worrying about your own agenda, worry about his agenda and he'll take care of yours. 
If you're going to worry, there's only one right way to do it. That's to worry about God. That's to worry about, worry about your relationship with God. That's the thing we should be focused on. Putting God first means that he's not an afterthought. A relationship with God is not the same as a relationship with like an acquaintance. Uh, a long time ago, I invited a friend of mine. I was like, hey, do you want to go see a movie? And whatever, I forget. It was a long time ago. Do you want to go see a movie? And they said, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll do that. I'll see what comes up. I'm like, this came up. You want to do it? Like, this came up. This is up. I wonder if we think that same way about our relationship with God. Like, yeah, I'm going to come to church, and, you know, unless something comes up, unless, unless something better comes up. Nothing better is going to come up than Jesus. He, he came up. This came up. Let's do something with him. Nothing better is going to pop up. Or, yeah, sure, sure I'm going to pray this week, unless, unless I get really busy with my phone. I get busy with my phone. Or maybe I'll go to my group, unless my best friend wants to go out to pizza. No, then it's a little different. If you make God your focus, you won't worry. I think we often worry when there's not something more pressing to be focused on. One example of this is from the goat, Michael Jordan. 1997 NBA final game five, the flu game. Michael Jordan comes in. He's got a severe case of the flu. Yet he plays. And he gets in the zone. He scores 38 points and leads the Bulls to their championship. How'd that happen? He got in the zone. He got focused. He made basketball the most important thing in his life. And the flu was an afterthought. The flu was just an afterthought. And he Got focused and went. If you're worried about stuff, just get, get your game face on. Go after Jesus for a minute. Go after Jesus for a minute. See what happens, you know, we have all our problems on our face like this and we keep Jesus over here and I can barely see it. But when we, when we trust God, what I'm saying to, to do here is put him first and your hands flip. And your hands flip. You just, just go after Jesus for a minute. Make that your priority. Let's put them first in everything. Put them first in our money. Put them first in our day. Put them first in our week. It's Sunday. You're here. Good job. Put them first in your week. Yes. Put them first in your priority. Put them first in your time. Yes. If we focus on that, give him the first fruits. He blesses everything else. Amen. He blesses everything else. Here's the third one. Third way we can let it go. Live one day at a time. Yeah. Live one day at a time. Yes. Very simply, don't open the umbrella until it starts to rain. Have an umbrella, but you don't have to open it unless it's raining. Otherwise, you would rob your day, rob yourself of your beautiful day. You wouldn't see the sun. You wouldn't even see the blue sky if you're hiding under an umbrella. So we're going to live one day at a time. Jesus tells us this. He says, therefore, he's finishing. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. It's not saying don't have a plan. Don't worry about your plan. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So right here, right now, I can trust. Some airplanes crash, but not this one. Right now, this one's not crashing. 
some kids make terrible decisions. But today, I can still pray and I can talk with mine. The stock markets fluctuate. That happens, that's true. But today, I have everything I need. Jobs change. Seasons of life adjust. But today, I still have my friends. Count your blessings. A lot of people do this. Something bad happens and I knew of a guy who lost his job and his whole personality changed. He got depressed and he lost his family too. He lost his family too. I heard a story of a man who played golf every week with a group of friends. And then he went to the doctor and he had a diagnosis of cancer. And he stopped golfing. For three years, he had no symptoms whatsoever. He felt perfectly fine, no symptoms, and his buddies would call him, hey, you want to go golfing? He said, no, I can't golf, I got cancer. Are you okay? You feeling okay? Yeah, yeah, I feel fine, I feel fine, but, you know, I have cancer. And after the fourth year, he started feeling symptoms in the fourth year, and, and he passed away after the fourth year, he died. But in some ways, he died long before that. He just stopped, he put up the umbrella, when it wasn't even raining yet. Right here, right now, I can, can, I can surrender. I can trust. I will not lose my peace because I have it in Jesus. This is possible, church, only because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead that we celebrate on Easter. It's the only reason this can be done. 1 Peter 1.3 says, In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope. Everybody say living hope. So we can have hope in our bad day. You're going through a bad day, you can have hope. You can trade your bad day and get a living, uh, get, get living hope in, in, in your day. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is possible because of Easter. So we can release the worry and replace it with a living hope. And Jesus embodies this living hope. He is this living hope that we need. He said it, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they may die. Even though something bad happens. Even though you're going through a bad day. Even though someone you loved died. Even though you lost your job. I am resurrection. I can bring the dead things to life. I, I am resurrection. I have resurrection living in me. And bad things happen in my life. I have bad days, but those... The dead things can be brought back to life. Yeah. I have a life-filled life because of the power of Jesus. Resurrection is inside of me because Jesus is inside me. And even though something bad happens, Jesus is still resurrection. Amen. You can live through your bad day. You can be living in your struggle and still be filled with life. Would you stand with me? Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. In other words, you can have more life in your life because of the resurrection. Something inside you may have died. But that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside you if you're a Christian. And if you want that life, you, church, you need to surrender. 
you need to surrender to the Lord. If you're here and you've never surrendered your life to the Lord for the first time, it's very simple. You just need to, to realize that you're separate from God and that the only way that that separation can be fixed is, because of, is, is through death, either yours or his. And that separation can be in his hands because he became sin for you. And you, if you trust that and open your life up to him, you can have a connection with him like he wants it. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to say this very simple prayer with, prayer with me. Let's all pray. You just say this in your heart if this is what, what you want to do. Lord, I surrender my life to you. I've been separate, but I don't want to stay that way. I want to be joined with you, and I look to you as the answer in my life. And I trust you, Lord. Amen. We all have worries, don't we? What's that worry that you have that keeps popping up? The thing you keep asking God about. If you were alone with a friend right now, what's the thing you would complain? I just need to vent. What is that? That's your worry. That's your worry. If you want to give your worries to the Lord, can you just imagine them in your hands? Hold, hold your hands out in front of you. Clench your fists. Because you're holding on to your worries. You're, I mean, you're praying, you're, you're asking God to do, we have your worries. You have them. It's not where they belong. We can give them to God. Let's all close our eyes. Let's imagine in our hands our concerns. Imagine, just visualize it there. That's our trouble that we haven't given to God. Think about how long it's been there. Feel it. On the count of three, I'm going to encourage you to open your hands and just, just give it to God. One, two, three. Let's give it to him. Lord, you have these things. You have these worries. You are so good. You are so righteous. We worship you. We declare your greatness, your holiness. Yes. And you are so wonderful, God. We worship yes. you today. God. Let's serve our Lord.